Melbourne AA Steps Weekend 2007. This is Pierre talking about Step 8. Hi everyone, I'm Pierre. I'm an alcoholic and drug addict, sober today. And uh, my home group is St. Bart's. And uh, wow, what a lot of people here. And um, I've got to tell you, I'm shitting myself because... uh, (laughs) because I wanted to be the best speaker here and I wanted to, uh, you know, they're taping this and uh, I was told that this morning and, uh, you know, I really want this to be deathless stuff. And uh, all I've got is my own experience, strength and hope, such as that is. Um, And I've got to tell you that um, these steps are really, really powerful, really powerful things because um, if I can stay sober with the attempt that I've made at the steps, then anybody can. Um, I, I, I made heavy weather of all of the steps and I'm really glad that I was told that I should do them in some kind of order, you know, starting at 1 and finishing with 12 if I possibly could. Um, it took me a very long time before I had any kind of perspective on my own life, who I was, what I was doing, what I was about and... Um, You know, because I drank and drugged for 31 years. And um, for me, I had no idea who I was. And I had no idea what effect I had on myself. And I had no idea what effect I had on anybody else when I was drinking and drugging. Um, I was just a really nice guy having a bloody terrible time. And if you only had to come into contact with the people that I came into contact with, then you would drink and drug the same way I did. And that was my my whole attitude to my existence. I, um, it was everybody else's fault, you know, and I couldn't join the dots between my alcoholic behaviour and my drug-taking behaviour and the bad things that happened in my life. I had no idea that there was a causal link um, whose short childhoods I effectively set about stealing from them with my drunken behaviour over the course of time that I was uh, charged with parenting them. Um, broken business partnerships, a couple of bankruptcies. It's official from the federal court. Thank you very much. Um, that, that's, a, that's, just the, uh, that's just the externals of my life and how I ran my relationships. My life was a, uh, just a mess of uh, broken promises, lies, half-truths, and I couldn't even see any of it, you know? I just couldn't see it. Um, so... Uh, I was very, very grateful to get into this fellowship and to be told in very early days that I should make time my friend. And um, time turned out to be my friend in that I was able to just keep coming to meetings, just engage with a sponsor and learn to trust that person and learn to get into a clean relationship with somebody and start to learn to get into a clean relationship with a power greater than me. Um, Because I I had all sorts of problems with that. As well as being a recovering alcoholic and recovering drug addict, I'm a recovering Roman Catholic. And uh, there there was all sorts of heavy baggage that I carried about a power greater than me and the attributes that I gave to that uh, power greater than me were, um, were, some of them were not very pleasant and some of them had been taught to me by people who were well-meaning but didn't really know any better. Um, And I had to come to a view about that and I had to shed those preconceived notions for me and, and to get an idea of a loving God 
who really wanted me to be the best I could be and who wanted me to not pick up a drink one day at a time. Um, and it took time to do all of that stuff. And I'm grateful to my friend Patrick who said that all of the steps are important except step two is more important than any other step you can tell because it's written in darker ink, the number two. Um, and I was glad to come to that realisation too. But I was grateful to have um, a sponsor who treated me with, with great astuteness, you know, and who was able to, to be patient with me and who was able to allow me to settle down and start to discover something about myself. As time went on, I started to discover a number of things about myself. And, of course, they came through doing the fourth and fifth step, and they continued with what you've heard, magnificent sharing from, from Jay and Jeanette about the sixth and seventh steps. Um, and, and I was really grateful to have guidance through all of that stuff, through the impatience that I had, um, because I wanted to, you know, I wanted to be perfect. I wanted to be the perfect person that you see standing before you right now. No defects at all. Ha, ha. Um, and, and over the course of time, I started to realise that what it says in the big book um, is for me very, very true, that at the core of my alcoholism is twisted relationships with other people. Um, and um, I, I, I couldn't really come to terms with that until I started to do this step. And how I started to do this step was in my head and walking a furrow in the carpet late at night and I looked at the big book and I'm the sort of person who can take something really simple and straightforward and make it very, very complicated. It says, mate, made a list. And was I going to do that? Absolutely not. I was going to let this stuff roll around in my head until it drove me absolutely crazy. That's what I was going to do. And no one was going to make me put pen to paper, even though it says, made a list. You know, I was going to make a list in my head rather than put it on paper, just like I was going to do my fourth step in my head instead of putting that on paper. You know, and um, for this alcoholic, um, I won't procrastinate the things today that I can procrastinate tomorrow. You know, um, I, I, I really, I really lift procrastination to a high art, and and um, and making just simply making the list was was for a long time beyond me. And I had to be, I had to be coached and chivied and gentled and humiliated and urged to do that making of a list. And you know, I already had a list. Um, and and it says in the big book that I already have a list. I have my resentment list that I that I got from my, from doing my fourth step. But was I going to refer to that? Absolutely not. Well, why would I do that? It just says so in the big book. And why would I follow instructions? I'm an alcoholic. I don't want to follow instructions. I want to beat my own path to salvation, you know, lift myself up with my own bootstraps and think myself well with my sick brain. That's what I'd like to do. Finally, um, I had a look at the list. And I couldn't for the life of me see what the relationship was between the people that I resented and hated for good reason and <laughs> the twisted relationships that I had. I couldn't make that connection, couldn't draw that line. Um, and, you know, over a course of time in, in private discussions with my sponsor, I came to see that 
the people that I resented, I behave towards in a certain way. When I'm closed off towards people, when I'm defensive in advance, when I'm disdainful, when I'm arrogant, when I'm uh, dishonest, when I'm all of those things towards people, um, it, it puts enormous pressure on relationships. And I remember ex-wife number one saying to me, not once, but and not twice, and not even as little as a hundred times, she used to say to me, you're sick. <laughs> and uh, of course I hated her for that because of course I was sick. Um, but I, I resented the arrogance of her pointing that out to me. Um, and, and I hated her for her treatment of me and I thought that was abusive. Um, and, and I suppose it was to a large extent. But, um, you know, the behaviour that I engaged in towards that woman to provoke her response in that way, not once but many, many times, um, that's something that I certainly didn't want to look at. You know, that's certainly um, not an area that I wanted to delve into. And the eighth step really brought that into relief for me because I had to become willing to make amends to people that I had harmed. I had to come to a realisation of what harm actually was. And when I drive somebody to behaving that way towards me, when my behaviour has something to do with that, then I've got to start thinking that maybe I have done some harm and maybe I should start to think about making amends. And um, so that's just a little example. Uh, and I did the same sort of things with business partners. I, I lied, I cheated, I didn't disclose things to them. Um, they became defensive and, and aggressive with me. Those sorts of things occurred and twisted relationships again. Um, and the damage that I did to people was to make them behave in a way towards me that I certainly wouldn't want them to do and I certainly wouldn't want, have wanted myself to behave towards them in that way had I had the choice. And, and for so long in my active alcoholism and drug addiction, I didn't give myself any choices. I was just driven by my need to get out of it and get blotto and justify my position afterwards. Um, so there's a song that says you always hurt the one you love and um, the people that I had harmed most turned out to be, when I looked at the list carefully, they turned out to be the people closest to me and, um, and there was always a reason for me having hurt them, you know. Um, and I found out over a course of time that I'm just like a little kid in the schoolyard you know, you pushed Johnny, he pushed me, but you pushed jo but he pushed me, you know, you pushed Johnny, yeah, but he pushed me, and, and I would retreat to, yeah, but he pushed me every single time, and, and becoming willing was the hardest thing for me to do, um, just to cut other people's behaviour off and to leave their side of the relationship on their side of the relationship and look at what I had done and look at the harm that I had, had done and uh, uh, understand for myself the nature of it, how I had stood over people, how I had run away from people and left them wanting help, um, how I had tried to make myself other people's higher power, how I had tried to manipulate and control um, them at every turn in order to get my selfish ends met. 
um, those sorts of things, I had to become willing to make amends. Um, and and I had to think about what making amends was because you know I'm I'm, I'm an alcoholic and um, for me being an alcoholic also means that I'm either at your feet or at your throat and there's no real way I can get to your heart because I don't even know it's there I don't even see it's there and so there was a part of me that just wanted to go around to people and say I'm just so sorry you know. I'm just so sorry. And I, and I was an expert at saying sorry over the course of time that, uh, that, uh, that I drank and drugged. Gee, I, I was apologies everywhere, you know, absolutely everywhere. Um, the problem was that I never actually had any intention of changing my behaviour. When I apologised to you, I knew and you knew that I was going to do it again at some stage. might not be tomorrow, but it would be soon, you know or sooner or later, that I would do the very same behaviour that I was apologising about. And so they were just empty words. And I, I, I thank my sponsor for pointing out to me that amends is not just apology and it's not just insincere apology. I have to be prepared to actually do something about it. And I, um, you know, in the course of my active addiction, I stole two people's childhoods, effectively. I was a different father in half-hour blocks every night from about 6 o'clock to 10 o'clock at night, you know. I went through the five stages of drunkenness almost every night. Jocose, morose, bellicose, lacrimose and comatose. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I would progress from one to the other and my kids had no idea what was going on, you know. Dad was, you could ride on Dad's back between 6.30 and 7 at night, but you couldn't come near him between 8.30 and 9.00. You know, and by the time 9:15 came along, if you weren't in bed, you were going to get a clip over the ear. Well, how did that work? You know, uh, there was all that sort of stuff. And of course, when the time came to make amends, they were in their 20s, and I couldn't give them the time back. What could I do? You know, what could I actually do? How could I actually go about doing this stuff? Um, it was really difficult coming to a place where I could be willing to do what was necessary. And for me, um, being willing to do what was necessary turned out to be fronting up on a daily basis and admitting to myself and to them what I had done and becoming available to them um, as a human being and as a person who could relate to them honestly and, and be available for a decent relationship now. And it took a lot of time to do that. You know, and um, I've only got five minutes to go, so I, I really want to sort of turn to an, another point that, that I found was really important. Um, when I made my list, I left a particular person off it um, that I'd been particularly harmful to over a long course of time. I'd, um, I'd physically abused that person. Um, I, I'd, I'd procured alcohol and drugs for that person. I'd made that person engage in sexual relations when that person didn't love the people he was engaging in sexual relationships with and I um, uh, imposed standards and ideals of complete perfection that that person couldn't possibly live up to um, over a long course of time. And I looked at that person every day in the mirror. Um, it was me, you know. I poured the grog down my throat. 
I, um, I made the toilet paper spliffs just like Jeanette. I, I, um, I, I, I castigated myself every single day. And when I got into recovery, I knew deep in my heart of hearts that I could never, ever do this stuff. And I was going to continue failing miserably all the time in making amends to myself. And I'm that sort of person who can make this really, really complicated and complex. Um, and I'm really grateful to the person that I heard at a particular meeting who said, every day you spend sober, you're making amends to other people and to yourself. And that was a great comfort to me for a very long time. And it held me through the times that I, that, that I needed to take uh, to come to a realisation that, uh, that, that I could actually give this a go a day at a time and that I could, by keeping it reasonably simple and by simply doing the suggested things, actually allow the steps to have a benefit in my life. Um, and, and for me, that's involved... Um, becoming willing to forgive myself for the things that I've done to me and to others and to take myself gently and to lead myself gently through these steps and to keep on fronting up. Um, the thing that has enabled me to do that is the people that I'm looking at right now. Everybody who comes to these meetings, who grapples with self-honesty, who does the things that we do to get recovery, is an example to me. And, and I can't begin to tell you how grateful I am for that because I never would have been able to work this stuff out for myself, I can tell you straight away. So ultimately what happened for me to finish this step was that I had a list and that I'd gone through it and I'd discussed with my sponsor what harm really means. And, you know, harm changes and there are people... <coughs> who were harmed by my moods. There are people who were harmed by my dishonesty in a financial way. There are people who were harmed by my dishonesty in a moral and other ways. There were people who were harmed by my aggression. You know, there were, the, the list goes on and on and, and, and it manifests itself in different ways. I'm not trying to prescribe to anybody what harm is, but what was important for me was to grapple with that idea. The very fact that I had to wrestle with, did I harm this particular person? Did I not harm them? What was going on there? That gave me a lot of clarity about where I was in my relationships with people. It says in the 12 and 12 that um, this is a, a lifelong work. Working out how to get better relationships with people is a lifelong work. Um, but yet I had to get on with step nine and I had to get on with step 10, and I had to get on with step 11, and I had to get on with step 12. So the making of the list and the sincere talking about this stuff with my sponsor um, and the praying and the grappling with the idea of forgiving myself and forgiving other people was what I thought was the essential parts of this particular step. Um, and, uh, you know, I'll leave it to, other speaker, to another speaker to talk about what actually... 
um, what actually the amends consisted of and, and, and how they went about that. But for me, it was an absolutely great process. And, um, you know, um, Jay was talking about the engine room of the steps and, and stuff like that. I can certainly endorse that. It's been, um, it's been a fantastic process to go through, very uncomfortable and very confronting for me. But um, I'm really glad that I've done it. And a day at a time, it's achieved the appropriate effect for me. I haven't had a drink a day at a time since I came into this fellowship. Thank God my life is so much better than it was, and I have you people to thank for that. So thanks for letting me share. Information about the annual Melbourne AA Steps Weekend is available from www.stepsweekend.aagroup.org.au. Thanks for letting us share.